Llama talk. Maybe I should stop for a moment and say what a llama talk is. I think some people don't actually know. <laughs> a llama talk with Izzy. Llama is the Hebrew word for why. La is like two or four. Ma is what. So la, lama, lama literally means for what. And it's Hebrew for, for why. Right? So llama talk is, my, is like when we talk about why questions. Why do we do things the way we do them? Why do we do what we do? Why am I the way that I happen to be? Is the way, what I wanted to talk about today for a moment. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed in my teaching, but often I will tackle what I would view as popular misconceptions. Uh, sometimes I'll address theology that may be uh, theology that is embraced by the majority for many centuries. And uh, I'll, I'll take that and I'll say, well, this is kind of typically the way people think, and then this is what the scriptures say, and I see some dissonance here. Something isn't meshing. And I, I, you've probably noticed that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually concerned. I, I, I want to make sure that I don't sound negative. And I, I haven't had any feedback for anyone, so I don't know that that's the case. But, uh, like, I, I don't want to just seem like some wild-eyed sacred cow slaughter who delights in nothing more than to topple people's long-cherished pet doctrines and cause, like, uh, havoc everywhere I go. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we're, we're in our first year as a congregation, and uh, as such, I feel a special calling to address areas where perhaps we have believed in certain ways. Perhaps we've just assumed that certain ways of thinking are correct. And uh, in this first year especially, I'm tackling more of those things. I'm saying, how, how do we really think in this area? What is our theology? Does it line up with the full counsel of the Word of God? You know, the, uh, shall we say, Old and New Testament both. I mean, uh, hopefully our, our, uh, our beliefs in that regard are consistent with the whole counsel. So, you know, um, that's something that, that I'm very passionate about. Um, we, I wanted to share with you a couple things along those lines too. I'll give you a quote from Joseph Stalin, actually. He, he said that uh, ideas are like weapons. They're powerful. And if we don't let our enemies have weapons, if we don't let our people have weapons, why would we let them have ideas? So, you know, in, in the Russian communist regime, uh, they, they kept a very tight cap on the way people thought and ideas getting out. And that was very insightful of him to say. It is true. One idea has great power for good or for evil. Uh, one idea can do so much. It, it, ideas can be dangerous. I mean, uh, one incorrect idea can result in the loss of millions of lives. Uh, it, they can cause countries, whole countries to be destroyed. Uh, one wrong idea can actually cause people to be on, found on the wrong side on the day of reckoning. I mean, this is serious business, you know. The way we think, what we believe, uh, which ideas we accept as true. Wow. So, the, so maybe you've noticed, that's why I'm often, I, I talk about ideas, I'll, I'll bring them out and I'll say, let's look at this idea, what do we think about this, how does this line up with scripture, you know, and uh, of course that's a classic Greek approach to only focus on what we think, uh, we do of course also talk about how we do our lives in terms of lifestyle, how we practice the faith, praxis, um, these are things that we've also been discussing, and of course that's a more uh, biblical worldview, um, yeah. Something that really hit me the other day. I was going downstairs to the basement to get something out of the freezer. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. I realized, wow. Like, the enemy of our souls, who is out to wreak havoc on the whole planet and destroy the image of God on the earth, he is a, he's a liar. 
He, it even says in, in John 8.44, he's the progenitor of all lies. All of them originally sourced from him. He's the father of it all. And uh, we also read, I looked this up, Revelation 12.9, it talks about the dragon, the serpent, the devil. And it says that one of the things he does is he deceives the whole world. That's his job description, to deceive the whole world. That is his, uh, that is his ultimate aim, his agenda. And uh, so what, what do we learn from this? We learn that when it comes to ideas, some of the most potent weapons in the enemy's arsenal are uh, lies, uh, misinformation, uh, facts that, have a, that are skewed slightly so they're wrong, uh, ignorance of the truth, um, all of these things. These are, these, are, these are potent weapons in the enemy's arsenal. And so, you know, as believers, we have, we have the written word, which is truth. And we have the living word, Yeshua the Messiah, who said, I am the truth. And uh, so I, I love how we get to get together every week and we get to key in on the truth. And we get to uh, renew our minds and find ourselves being transformed. And if sometimes it means that I go on, on little rampages against what I suspect may actually be vestiges of some plot of the enemy to get us thinking in incorrect terms, then you know where I'm coming from with that. <laughs> I have no chips on my shoulder. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That was like the first words off his lips, eh? Has God really said? And getting her to question and doubt in that way. Huh. Yep, that's true. Um, so, you know, as a congregation, like, we are warriors for the cause of truth, Messiah's cause of truth. Uh, you are warriors, I'm a warrior for the cause of truth. And uh, that is a significant element of, of what we're about. So hopefully I, I can be here uh, as a servant to this congregation to equip us with facts, with correct information, with truth, and uh, with a fuller vision of Yeshua. Because he said, I am the truth. So the truth is a man, and his name is Yeshua. Um, one, one other element along those lines is uh, Yeshua said that before his return, in conjunction with the return of the Son of David, there would be a restoration of all things. That means for, for us as the body of Messiah, every area where we have fallen away from the original faith that was handed down to the saints, every area in which we have um, lost true doctrine, every area in which we have uh, maybe uh, lost touch with that original attitude that the er early believers had, whether it be towards the Torah or towards national Israel, or whatever, all of these things. If, if, uh, if, any, if there's any area where that we've lost, the restoration of all things that he's going to bring us back to those things. I think for some of us, he's bringing us back kicking and screaming. I mean, change is hard, isn't it? I, I, I personally have found it very traumatic to question certain beliefs that I always assume to be correct. That's a hard thing to do. I hate change. I think we all do. But you know, he's restoring us, and our job, hopefully, is to focus on him, to listen to his voice, to study the word for all we're worth, to be like the Bereans who examine these scriptures every day to corroborate if these things were true, and, uh, and to follow Yeshua wherever he takes us. That is uh, our part of the uh, equation as I, as I see it. So... Maybe you guys already figured that out about me. Why I often tackle controversial topics or, or, or hitting on a lot of things and saying, you know, is this really true? So that, that's why. I'll finish by sharing a scripture with you that may describe the move of God that we are currently in right now. It's in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 16 verses 19 to 21. It says, uh, the first part is Jeremiah praying. He says, Yahweh, my strength and my stronghold and my refuge in the day of distress. 
To you the nations will come. To you the Gentiles will come from the ends of the earth, from Saskatchewan, and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility, and things of no profit. Can man make gods for himself? Yet they're not gods. And then he responds, Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is Yahweh. So uh, we see a couple of things here. We see that there's going to be a movement before Mashiach's return of people returning to the God of Israel from the ends of the earth. And you know what? They're going to be examining certain traditions, whether it be pract- religious practices or long-held cherished theologies or whatever. They may be examining some of these things. And you know what? Their conclusion may be some of these things are false. Some of these things are futile. They're absolutely pointless. Why, why are we do- going around this mountain? Some of these things are not profitable. Um, there may be a point where we say, you know what? To a certain degree, we've been making up our own version of God. And it's time to read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and accept the revelation of Him that we see here. It, um, perhaps we have uh, had this vision of Messiah as a, as a Gentile, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus who spoke Greek, and uh, etc. And you know, uh, maybe to a degree, we have had a Jesus of our own making in our mind. Maybe it's time to just read the book in its original Jewish context and, and see what we, know, what, we can, uh, what we can know of Mashiach. And then what's the conclusion? He says that he will make us know that there's this element where his power is going to come into this thing as a result of us returning to the truth and embracing who he is. And we will know that he, his name, that he is Yahweh. What did he say in the book of Exodus about his name? His name is Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That is his identity forever. That is his memorial for all generations. And that is who he is today.